This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So welcome back to the eighth episode of HFC Chat. I'm finding it pretty boring myself without pools, and I and I know that I've been struggling without my weekly fix of HFC. So I do hope the two features with Scotty Fennick and Mickey Barron have helped ease the pain a little bit. This week I've got Robbie Stelling on the show, and we're just going to talk about the current situation with the National League and a few other things regarding pools. Thanks for coming on, Robbie. And how are you finding it without pools? They were built. Things were building nicely, weren't they? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Jack. Um, I think, like everyone, I'm a little bit lost, to be honest. I mean, turn of the year, we definitely couldn't have foreseen this situation. Mm. I think all Pools fans especially were on a real high. We thought that we would be, you know, it would be a little bit nail-biting, but we were right in there mm. in the lead-up in the run to the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit disheartening, isn't it? Yeah. Um, waking up on a Saturday morning and that realisation that there's not a game to go to and obviously it's made a little bit worse by the fact that we were on such a roll and we were in such a strong position mm, obviously mm. the the game against Ebsfleet did knock the stuffing out of us a little bit but still felt like we were in a really strong position especially with the fixtures that we had remaining mm. so yeah I mean I'm just filming my time with plenty of highlights on YouTube a little <laughs> bit of Premier League years and things like that but yeah. It is getting a little bit uh, taxing now. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's get into things then. The National League have been keeping clubs in limbo for a little while now, but finally they've released a statement about the whole situation. Um, If you haven't heard it, this is what they said. The National League board has uh, met earlier today and has reviewed its prior decision to suspend the competition until at least 3rd of April 2020 in consideration of the very serious and unprecedented national public health emergency caused by the coronavirus the board has taken the decision to suspend the National League, National League North and South competitions indefinitely I know that they're also looking at the legal side of things in terms of how the season is to be completed but uh, what do you make of that Robbie, what do you feel on the situation? Um 
I mean, the first thing I'd say is it is a really challenging situation. Like I said, no one, not especially not the Football Association, could have foreseen mm. this situation at the start of the year. But I think, I think we all love football, but everyone's first priority has to be safety. Mm-hmm. So I think absolutely it's not right that we are playing football now or for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, we've just got to make sure that as many people as possible are safe and well and everyone's able to stay at home um, and be safe and well with their families. Mm. Um, I mean, as I see it, in terms of what are we going to do, really I think there's three options that they've got. Yeah. I think, to be honest, I think right now, as we are, the most realistic option is probably to take points per game mm-hmm. and relegate and promote sides from there. Obviously, from a Harlem perspective, I think that leaves us 12th, which yeah. is not ideal, especially with the run-in. But I think you've got to be a little bit realistic, mm. bearing in mind that we've already this far into the season. Is it fair to declare the season null and void? I mean, you look at teams like Barrow. Yeah. If the season was to be declared null and void now, I'm not sure that a team with the resources of Barrow are ever going to have another season where the stars align so perfectly. And yeah. I'm sure that there will be teams from the Football League in for Ian Everett and in for a lot of their players. So that seems really unfair. I mean, obviously, if you are a club in a relegation position, yeah. then you're probably going to argue for the season to be null and void. And I, I think whatever decision you come to, not everyone is going to be happy, are they? I mean, the Maidenhead chairman, I think he suggested that they do points per game, but conveniently for Maidenhead, they don't do relegation. They just have a bigger Premier League or something. And <laughs> it's very difficult. I mean, like, obviously, teams, if teams were to be relegated now based on a points per game system, they're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. But I'm really not sure I see any other way of doing it. Obviously, the third option is to try and finish the season later on in the year but yeah. I mean it's really difficult to say and it definitely doesn't look like we're going to be playing football anytime soon let alone you know having any semblance of normal life Yeah. so I think that puts so much pressure on players staff even fans you know I mean you're going to mm. be doing what two three games a week Yeah. is that realistic and then you have you've got no break and obviously looking a summer ahead you've got the European Championship still to think about Yeah. so I think if you were to ask me now if I was on the board I would say points per game but yeah. I think the really important thing is that the National League the Football League and the Premier League come to the same decision mm, definitely obviously they're separate boards but they've got to do they've got to do the same thing because it's going to be chaos if the National League declares the season null and void, but the Premier League and the Football League, you know, try to finish the season later or do points per game. It's just not compatible. So hopefully, they will be able to work together somehow. And yeah, I think, like I said, the ideal situation, although not necessarily for Hartlepool, but the most realistic situation is yeah, points per game. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I, I feel sorry for the leagues further down the football pyramid that that mm. just had their seasons null and void. Because if you look at the financial side of things, I know that a lot of money is being put into pools throughout this as well. Um, 
it has its impact a whole season you're spending money all the time and if it comes to nothing at the end of it you do question whether it was actually worth it but I think as you as you've touched on we've got to put the health first but we've also got to have something that is fair for everyone because if you don't have that that's just going to cause even more conflict when we don't need it yeah I think you're, I think you're spot on and I think with regard to the lower leagues as well it shows a little bit of a disregard you mm. know I mean even obviously lower down the pyramid where the leagues have been declared null and void but getting the sense from the national league is where you don't feel like there's been any help no I'm not saying it's a difficult one to ask Premier League teams to you know mm. not bail out but you know give some money to yeah. lower teams when really their priority should be you know money to make sure that everyone connected with them mm. is safe well and at home and obviously the NHS and emergency services yeah, yeah. But it definitely does show a little bit of a disregard for those teams. It's as though, you know, it's almost as like they don't exist because they are not big money teams or anything like yeah. that. And I think that that's one thing that I've taken issue with, that it seems, as you said, there is a disregard. And, and because we're smaller, that we're not as important. But surely... If we want in, if we're looking towards internationals as well, if we're wanting to create our own players as well, that's some. There's a lot of players that are come that are starting in this lower league stuff and building up Jamie Vardy, Harry Kane, people like that. And you've got to look after your your lower league football because um, it's such a pivotal part of the football pyramid in England. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you're you're spot on again, and you just got to look at the Jamie Vardys, the Chris Smallings of this world, that come through and I mean you know you and me watch enough non-league football to know that there are some properly good players mm, mm. and even if even if they're not going to go on and represent their countries at yeah. international level I mean look look at Peter Kiyosa's just joined mm. you know joined Luton in the championship yeah, exactly. so from a from a football league or Premier League team's point of view you need to have some clubs um, to provide that that talent and also yeah. it's a great opportunity to send people out on loan, mm. you know, I mean, get people get people playing proper men's first team football. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a fantastic learning opportunity for a lot of players. Yeah, I mean that player, that defender Timmy Odesina, we've got in on loan from Norwich. I mean, I think he's even talked about the experiences that he's getting from getting to play regular senior men's football in a competitive league. And I think that's, I mean, international is a long way ahead, obviously, but I'm. I think my main point, as you've touched on there, is about these opportunities that clubs are getting to send their players to get regular football for their benefit in the future. And there's also, as you've said, some rough diamonds in our league that could definitely be moulded into good football league players. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot, a lot of people. I, I don't want to uh, make too much of a generalisation, but mm. a lot of especially Premier League fans, they 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 treat the non-league football and even, you know, lower down the football league, some of them, with sort of a disregard. They yeah. don't, I don't think they realise quite the standard that these players are at, and it's mm. still such an excellent standard. And it is, I mean, at the moment, I mean, where we're sitting now, it, it seems like there's just been no effort across the board. Because, like I said, it's essential that we come to a situation where everyone does the same thing mm. because obviously it's a this is a, it's a nightmare financially for all teams but I mean as you look lower down the pyramid at not just non-league but 
football league at the moment, you look at some of the precarious financial positions that teams mm. are in. To not have the gates and things, it is really potentially disastrous. I mean, this summer, it looks like a lot of teams might go by the wayside. I mean, as Pools fans, we're pretty lucky. I think we're in a relatively sound financial position mm. with owners that genuinely care and will invest to keep the club going. Yeah. But you can see the position that we've already been put in having to, you know, furlough some of the working staff and, and like loads of other teams doing exactly the same thing. So it is it's just such a worrying time. Yeah. No, I agree with that. So the second topic of discussion I would like to touch on is recruitment for this summer. And if the season isn't to come be completed, I'm gonna do a special on this next week. But given the current situation, uh, what where do you think we need to recruit? Um, well I mean who knows when we're gonna get the chance to recruit mm. but I think Pools fans, the first thing that they will say a little bit, where are they a little bit unhappy position-wise, is probably the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, it's a really difficult one because as Pools fans, we've been really spoiled with goalkeepers over the last, I mean, since Dimmy. You know, we've mm. had a lot of good goalkeepers since mm. Dimmy. Obviously, Dimmy was a brilliant goalkeeper. But, you know, Trevor Carson, Scott Loach, even Scott Flinders, we've always had a pretty solid number one, and we've always had that number one position nailed down. You know, yeah. I think most of our goalies have played every single game. And Kenneth is a is a difficult one. I like him as a goalkeeper. I think he he's not a bad shot stopper at all. I mean, we can see that. And obviously, when he was at Braintree, he had a lot of a lot of shots to save without mm. being disrespectful to Braintree. Yeah. Uh, so it probably made him look good as it can do with goalkeepers. I think the the issues, which are fairly obvious issues, is just too many mistakes. Yeah. And obviously, when you're a goalkeeper, they get picked up. And he does he does lack a little bit of presence as well. He's quite a short guy for a goalkeeper, and he doesn't always command his box especially well. Yeah. Having said that, I mean, looking around and having watched, you know, loads of other teams. How many goalkeepers are we going to get without having to pay in excess of what they're worth or in excess of yeah. what we can afford? No, definitely. That, that are going to be better than Ben, and Ben is only going to improve. I mean, I think he has improved since the start of the season. Obviously, mm. he had a little run out of the team and came back. I mean, obviously, the last game we played, he made a mis- he made a pretty uh, bad mistake leading to a goal, but. Yeah. I think I might be in the minority, but I would probably stick with Kinnip and look elsewhere. I mean, obviously, we've got the lone boys in. Uh, Shelton, who I think we, we will probably keep. Yeah. Um, and then in defence, Odessina and uh, Southam Hales who have both come in and done a really smashing job. Yeah. I mean, Southam Hales has been... You've hardly noticed that Kyoto has gone, really. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, Odessina, like we touched on earlier, when he he does sometimes show that naivety that probably just stems from not having played, you know, had a run in a professional football team for mm. a long time. But I think, I mean, in an ideal world, I would keep all of them. But I think if we can't keep them, we'll definitely have to recruit another fullback. And I think at least one centre-back, centre I mean... Hopefully, we'll be able to keep Gary Liddell. Yeah. And then, you know, Michael Reigns and Fraser Kerr, 
they, I mean, there's just so many mistakes. So you, mm. you, you, you think you see them in the starting lineup, and it just makes your heart go a little bit quicker. So mm. I think probably look at two centre backs, which obviously isn't easy. Um, if we could get Odessina, I'd definitely take him, but that might be living in dreamland a little bit. <laughs> and I, I mean, obviously, I'm listing all these these uh, players and positions, but we do have a pretty good spine of a squad, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be more a case of just tinkering with it. Again, I think probably up front. I'm not. I'm still. I say this all the time. I sound a bit like a broken record, but still don't really think we've ever replaced that Billy Painter type character. No. Um, obviously, Rob Harker is similar in the sense that he's a a big number nine, but obviously being a young boy, he just lacks a little bit of that Nelson guy. Mm, Although in, mm. in in Rob's defence, we haven't seen too much of him. Yeah. But again, being on loan seemed unlikely that we'd be able to hold him down. But yeah, I think. I mean, we've tried and failed, you know, notoriously with people like Jake Cassidy. Yeah. But if we could get a strike, and they don't, they don't even have to come in and get fifteen, twenty goals because that is very difficult. But mm. you get someone that can bring other people into the game, and I think you watch Keener; he looks like he needs to play with with someone. Yeah. Um, and he bring, you know, if someone can bring in Jimmy Torre and Luke Molyneux even more into the game, mm. then that would be fantastic. I mean, you've only got to look at the impact and influence Danny Rowe had on that file team yeah. to see how important a striker at this level can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the last one, this might be a little bit greedy because and it might sound mad to say, oh, I'd like another midfielder when we've got, you know, so many midfielders. Yeah. But... I mean, we signed Gus Mafuta in the summer, and I, I might, this might be a bit of a controversial opinion. I've not been impressed with him. Mm. I think, I mean, he's a little bit of an enigma because when he he started, he was so impressive. But so I feel like when we signed him, the impression I had that he was going to be that holding midfielder, strong guy, win the ball, pass, and give it. Mm. But I'm not sure he. In fairness, I'm not sure it's necessarily his fault. I'm not convinced that is what he wants to do Mm. Um, sometimes he looks a little bit laboured across the pitch and things so if I'm being really greedy I would say you know someone a presence to win the ball in midfield I mean Featherston has has fulfilled that role really really well but sometimes we do look a little bit uh, small at set pieces Mm. Um, but yeah that that one might be um, asking a little bit too much of Raj and Co but yeah. yeah I think that like I say we have got a strong spine I mean and it would be I think in seasons past we sort of looked to try and recruit 11-12 players which mm. is so difficult because it's really you know to sign 11-12 players and for that, them all to be successes and I mean we've had times you know I mean Craig Harrison how, he probably I think yeah. he brought in 10 players how many yeah, of those I think it was I mean, 10 yeah yeah and not many of them were very good at all so I think we're in a strong position and with the squad we've got now that is we've seen the results we've got under Chandler that is a really strong squad so I think you just add add a few a little bit of experience a little bit of now and I think we're looking good but I mean, who knows when we'll get the chance to do this business at the moment no exactly I, I think I agree with pretty much all of what you've said there and I'll touch more on that um, next week when I'll do a special on recruitment and stuff but um, now to the last couple of topics that I feel are 
quite like to talk about. Um, they come together quite nicely. I've got this final point on my notes here, which is we've got our club back. Firstly, the northwest corner have been nothing short of spectacular in getting the atmosphere back to where it should be, and also just helping to reconnect the fans and players. Well, actually, everything to do with the club it feels reconnected again. I'd love to know your thoughts on them, um, what they've been doing, and how vital it is to been bringing that feel good factor back, whatever the result has been. Yeah, I mean, it is it is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, I go I, I go to games now, and obviously you're looking forward to the game, but you can you can go for the atmosphere alone. It is mm. really that good, mm. and especially at this level, when I mean we've been to plenty of stadiums where there is really no home crowd and no home atmosphere. Mm. You just have to look at our home form, how pivotal they are in in our results and it is an absolute pleasure to be in the stadium when it's absolutely rocking which mm. it has been so consistently as well it doesn't feel like anymore it has to be you know a six pointer or a derby game yeah. or something to get everyone on their feet and obviously the northwest corner have taken the master of the atmosphere into their own hands and I mean, they've almost revolutionised it, haven't they? Mm. I mean, from, from what we had two or three years ago, it's fantastic. And it, it, I mean, Hartlepool has always, despite a few dodgy owners, it's always been a club that is about the fans. Mm. And it feels like, without wanting to sound too cliche, it's one big community, one big family, isn't it? Yeah. It, is, it is sensational to be a part of it. And not just the atmosphere. Obviously, a lot of their initiatives now, they are really playing such an active part in helping the club to move forward mm. which is so commendable you know I mean every fan that comes through that gate and pays their money especially at this level is vital to yeah. the club yeah. but when you consider what they're doing above and beyond I mean it's it's really fantastically commendable they are uh, such a credit to the club I mean you, I, you think all the away fans that, that come and sit in the away and they must be dead jealous of what we've got this season I mm. mean it's brilliant yeah, my um my cousin from London, he decided last minute he rang me up uh, when we were away at Sutton and said, hey Jack, do you reckon we can get uh, tickets to go and watch pools today? And he said he couldn't believe the away atmosphere. He, him and his family support Burnley, but he took about 10 mates along with him and they absolutely love it now. They say the fans are amazing, they're starting chants in class and stuff and he said it, that the away fans and the supporters of Hartlepool have just seemed to inspire them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if I was a player, you think, what could get you up for a game and make you want to get three points more than that? It's, I mean, it, it almost seems hard to underperform when you've got mm. the, the brilliant atmosphere. And it's from just a selfish point of view, from a fan's point of view, it's just fantastic fun to be involved with. Yeah, definitely. Now, just to wrap up, Dave Challoner. What a guy and what a manager. I think it's been the first time in quite a while that the fan base, and me personally, have had such faith in a manager of HUFC. The way that he's come in, changed the way we play, including the fight and belief being back, and the wider net of recruitment that he's established. Um, the man is someone who I have full confidence in. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel he can take us back to the FL, and if not further. Perhaps you could give us your thoughts on this, if you've managed to speak to him maybe whilst he's been at the club, and what you feel he's done already in this short space of time yeah well I mean I completely agree with you again Jack he is really a breath of fresh air I have met him a couple of times I met him 
on the day he was announced, I think we played Songhang or someone like that. And uh, he was a really nice, nice man, charming, understated. I found, which mm. is, I mean, it's probably that probably stems from he's right in a new environment. Mm. And then I saw him when we beat Songho uh, only a few weeks ago. Yeah. And you get the sense. I mean, after that Songho game, I saw all the players and all the coaching staff just before they hopped onto the team bus. And the feeling there, it they are not just so united but they're, they're so optimistic and mm. it feels like they're not just loving their football they love the environment that they're working in they love the training and I think a lot of that as well is down to the style of playing like you touched on he has completely changed the style of play mm. and I think it's worth bearing in mind as well that he's changed the style of play with and no disrespect to Craig Hignett pretty much a very similar squad to what Higgy had at the start of the season. Yeah. Obviously, we've brought in a few lone players, but we've lost Peter Kyoso as well. Mm. And I think, again, just to add to what you said, he has widened that lone net, which is really important because we, you know, we. I mean, we had a few. We've had a few decent lads over the years, but just to be bringing in players from northeast clubs is real. It's not a great strategy. Mm, mm. You want to be able to cherry pick a little bit more if you can, and from a club's point of view if we can build up those relationships um, with teams like Norwich then that would be fantastic because who knows in a couple of years they might have another Timmy Odessina for us and I mean in terms of the football it's just the fact that we are so on the front foot I mean again I I like Tiggy and I don't want to be too critical of him but it felt like we played so on the back foot I mean when we played his file team uh, at the beginning of the season we were two up and we just sat back in our own half and invited them on. Mm. And now, even when we go a goal or two up, we still look like scoring. Yeah. We just play with such aggression. I mean, the fullbacks spend most of their time attacking, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and to change the style of play in such a short space of time with what is not his own squad, I mean, that says a lot about him as a manager. And like I say, from what I have been able to gather from the couple of meetings we've had he seems like a really a properly nice man but also and I mean most importantly someone who is genuinely invested in the project that we've yeah. got here Yeah. and obviously I mean it, it's hard not to be a manager to come in to this club and this atmosphere and this set of fans and not make a connection but staggeringly we've had a few that have managed to completely isolate and disassociate themselves from the fans mm. you know obviously the especially bad ones are Dave Jones and the Richard Mannies but yeah. I mean there's just there's something so likeable about Dave he's warm to the fans and the fans are warm to him and that's just such a good combination and whatever happens with this season whether we I mean it looks pretty unlikely but whether we do end up playing the rest of the games or whether we start again the next season it's it's hard bearing in mind we're in the middle of a global pandemic it is hard not to be from a football side of things really optimistic mm, mm. no definitely well I really appreciate you coming on Robbie and giving us your time and insight and hopefully I'll be able to get you on in the future when things are, things are back to normal absolutely well it was really good to speak to you thank you for having me not a problem alright mate all the best thank you and you 
To finish off, I just want to update you on the plan going forward with this podcast. Um, due to the lack of football at the moment, there is going to be one more episode next week discussing recruitment and retain list, etc. Then that may be that for a while, dependent on the situation. Until I know more, I can't do a full season review, so that will have to wait. I think it's important to highlight at this time that there are much more important things than football and sport at this time, so please do keep safe. Special thanks, I know not pools related, but to the NHS for all that they're doing at this time, for our country, which is such a commendable effort. Many thanks for listening in, I hope you'll join me next week. Keep engaging with the social media at HUFC Chat on Twitter and Hartlepool United News on Facebook. Keep the faith and never say die. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.